0: my name is John Pataki and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than a little sister searching for Adam in the basement of Rapture into film, TV, and video game franchises and the fandoms they inspire. That's right, we're adding video games to the list this week because we're talking about the best video games of all time. According to whom, you may ask? Well, according to us. And who is us, you may ask? Why, it's returning good times hat man himself, Mark Johnson. Welcome back, Mark.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is you know this we're about to make the ultimate
0: list of all time, definitive. Like, cannot go back on it. It's Etched in stone after this. Yeah, um, we're gonna settle many a Reddit debate. The internet will be very happy with this list and have no complaints. EGM is gonna come out of retirement to just publish an issue of just about how good our <laughs> is. Uh, we're on the cover of the next Game Pro magazine. So. <laughs> Oh man, I used to love Game Bros so much. Oh my gosh, so much, so much, so much. Uh, I um, I just wanted to take like before we get into the rules and what we're going to be doing today. You know, we don't we usually do video game based shows. Personally, video games are having a little bit of a renaissance in my life. Like, like, what role did video games or have video games played in your life, or continue to play in your life at this point?
1: Uh, they're like my favorite thing. I have a lot of favorite things to be clear, uh, but they're they're one of, they're they're you know top three. My son probably beats him, but like I've been <laughs> playing for... playing, depends on how many times I swore at him in my head that day. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've been playing him for 40 years. He says, and he very rapidly gives people a nice target frame of, of how old I am. Uh, I, start, I started with Pong. My grandparents wow. had a had a Pong thing on their TV, uh, so I've been playing video games for a long time, and I fell in love with them, and I never fell out of love with them, and I got to sort of watch them go from this cool novelty to like that whole, you know, well, you're a gross, weird, like basement dweller to like, wait, these things are kind of cool to like the biggest entertainment thing in the world. That was, that was fun to watch. And you know, to be like, I had the t-shirt first. I'm a cool kid. Mark, would you say you're a true gamer? (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know, you know, I am a gamer. (laughs) No, I just like games. I don't really even know what that means. People talk about that all the time. And like, are you a real gamer? I don't don't know. Do I play games? Yes.
0: Yeah, the word gamer has such an unfair connotation to it that we should just throw it out and come up with different ways to describe people that play video games in different levels. Because that's kind of reflective of, like my relationship to video games over over my life has been very much like, well, I love them and I used to like, you know, have a, the whole setup up in my parents' basement when I was a kid with an NES and the thrill of like renting a video game from Blockbuster or Michigan Video where I was from was like, I, I would cherish those moments of like going to the store, going to the video store with my dad and like pining over which one, you know, yeah, man to pick out next. And like, it got to the point where, you know, when I was like seven or eight, there was a place that like held specific games for me because I was just there so much. Um, and it was it was such a fun escape for me, and just you know, it it's responsible for par- parts of my like creative brain. I've just had a long standing like love affair with video games. Um, and then I worked at GameStop for a while. Same. That that love affair for me waned because the type of people that came into the GameStop I worked at really made me never want to play a video game ever again.
1: Do you want to talk about Final Fantasy for seven hours? That's really, like, no, man? Oh,
0: I'm just I working. Don't. I oh
1: going my lunch break.
0: Yeah, it was like people that people that thought that when they applied to work at GameStop that your job was like you just get to play video games all day, and it's like I'm definitely not playing video games right now. Like, what do you yeah. think I'm doing? I was at a point where it's like I had other pursuits and other things to uh, keep me busy, and I just you know I kind of just fell out with them, and it kind of had an existential crisis about video games. where I'm like that they basically play themselves for you now. Blah 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 blah. Over the pandemic with. um having nothing to do and like i had my switch and animal crossing just came out and things like that it kind of got me back into the the concept of playing games uh and like setting aside time to play them and how actually fun they can be and how creative and like you know how, how amazing the stories of them can be in honor of that and i mean this was originally partially in honor of the sequel to breath of the wild being announced as, you know, Tears of the Kingdom when they came out with the trailer of the news. I was like, oh, my boys watched me play Breath of the Wild constantly, and um, I told them about the new one coming out, and one of them was like, oh, the new Breath of the Wild game? And then the other one was like, don't you mean Tears of the Kingdom? And I was like, oh, no, the the was repeating. (laughs) Um, uh, But kind of in in honor of that, um, I wanted to go through and do our best to create the not so definitive top 10 best video games of all time. There's a tendency to pick like, I think the same 10 video games as like the best ever. I did my best to avoid them, but some of them are just so good. You, I had to put them on. I wanted to kind of like make a new canon of best ever and what that means. And to do that, both of us created a top 10 list. We're going to go spot by spot and say what video game is in that spot and then present our case as to which of those two games deserves that spot on the list. Um and at the end we should have a list that stands the test of time. First of all, second of all is irrefutable um, mm-hmm. objectively. It's like the cornerstone of of society when it's done. Yeah, for sure. It'll be like the uh the the new like 99 theses that will yeah, nail to the church door. I think that's the right reference. We'll yeah. see we'll see later when i we'll see later when i anxiously google it yeah yeah it's great we're super smart we're gonna go 10 to 1. it could get pretty heated just two white guys talking about video games here we go
1: Okay, so my first, my top ten. This is a really interesting one, and I went back and forth on this a whole bunch. There's a couple of reasons it's on here. It's Super Mario World. It was almost the original Super Mario Brothers. Mario Super Mario World is like objectively a significantly better game than Super Mario Brothers, and also had a very similar impact on me because we transitioned into the sixteen bit era. Uh, so one, this is like one of the best games ever made. Two, it's probably the best Mario game ever made. Three, I think it's a shining example of why Nintendo is amazing. Four, it's kind of a placeholder, a little bit for me, for the entire 16-bit generation. SNES and Genesis, which is just like the jam. But I can't make a list of all old 16-bit games because this is the impossible list and you can't do that. You can only have 10. So I'm opening with Super Mario World and those are my reasons.
0: This is an interesting development, Mark, because I have Super Mario World on my list, but significantly higher. So I don't really know what to do in a situation like that, besides just present, I'll present my number 10, then we'll decide from there if mine deserves the spot, or if we should just lock in Mario World, where I put it on my list. Does that make sense? Well, hold on. Can we put a game on the list twice? No. What kind of insane world do you live in where you think you can put a game on a list twice? What list has ever put the same the same title on there twice? We'll be we booed off the internet, Mark. We'll never be able to show our faces in public again. Okay. Okay. Interesting. We'll see. Okay. I'll just, uh, I'll put my, my anxiety about this aside and just put that my number 10. My number 10 is one of my favorite types of video games. It's the point and click adventure. Released in April 30th, 1995 for the PC. It's Full Throttle from LucasArts. Yeah, that's Art. a good one. That's a good uh, one. I wanted, my heart of hearts wanted to put it much higher on the list because of how much this game means to me. I, I started out with number 10 because it's a little bit, you know, it's not a super deep cut by any means, but, they, you know, they have the Full Throttle remastered. Uh, this game opened up my brain in a way that no other game really had up to at that point. Um, it's from, you know, legendary game auteur Tim Schafer. Mm-hmm. Um, using the legendary like SCUM script creation utility for Maniac Mansion um, interface and game engine. Um, you know you play as Ben from, from the motorcycle gang, the Polecats, and you're investigating the death of the head of Corley Motors by the suspect, Adrian Ritberger, who is coincidentally voiced by Mark Hamill. Um, <laughs> and man, this game is just like from a different planet. All these really cool Easy Rider influences mixed with like the Fugitive and like, I I don't even know where to how to even describe what it did for me but I was such an it's such an immersive story in an immersive world and such a creative unique concept that it's kind of got to be played to be believed and I still think it holds up my number 10 is full throttle.
1: It was not a pick. I would not have predicted that. Also, that makes me happy to hear because that style of game is kind of going through like a little renaissance right now. Yeah,
0: the the uh, Secret of Monkey Island remake that just came out. Let's see. But there's loads of of those point and click type adventures. There was one that came out recently that was very like noirish. It was like all grayscale, black and white. I can't remember the name of it, but Chinatown uh, Detective the- Agency. I love a point and click. i I it. It stems back to Maniac Mansion for me. I would play Maniac Mansion like a crazy person uh, on my old like Commodore. I was just like old as hell. I think I think it was a Commodore. I'm not sure. Just that, like, what is this? Like, such it was such a feeling of like, what newfangled type of game is this? I've never. I didn't even know this was possible. Okay, I have an admission. What's I that? think those games are super important in like the
1: history of gaming. Monkey Island, Tentacle, Full Throttle, all that stuff. I don't like them. I think they're super boring. Well, I think you're super boring, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played some that I have liked. Um, and I always think, like, this is really funny, and the writing is really great, and, like, they've done really good characters, and, like, generally, the you know, often the art is really good. And then I just get bored. So I'm not saying they're bad. But okay. I also recognize their place in, like, video game history. Sure. Um, and I think we might have an interesting battle slash conversation about Super Mario World later and might shuffle some things around on
0: the list. So I'll give it to you. Okay, so full throttle at number ten? Sure. Okay. I that's not how I expected that uh rebuttal to end, but I'm happy with it. So
1: well, there's, well, there's some <laughs> valid video game history there that I think, you know, something like that deserves. Plus Lucas Arts in the nineties was like the
0: jam. Yeah, it's not my only LucasArts uh, title on the list, just so you know. <laughs> oh boy. I bet I know what the other one is, but I'll wait. The other one is Star Wars Masters of Paris Kati. No, kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, Let's see here. So let's move on to number nine. Are, are, we, are we passing the controller? Do I go first this time?
1: Yeah, I think we should pass the controller.
0: My number nine is the fifth entry in a series, in a series that's very near and dear to my heart. I've lost so much time and GPA and f- possibly friends to this series But I do think that this is the shining star of it. My number nine is Grand Theft Auto V. Released September 17th, 2013 for Xbox 360, PS3, and in 2015 for PS4 and uh, the X-Bone by Rockstar Games. 2013, that's insane, dude. That's so crazy. Like, this game is still being played. I know it's from a later iteration on PS4 and Xbox One. But, like, the online for this game is still lively and active, if not infested with, like, hackers and bots by this point. But yeah, for sure. This is like the first game that introduced the three-prong, like you play as Franklin or Trevor or Michael uh, throughout the whole state of San Andreas. I, like I'm, I'm describing Grand Theft Auto V. Like people don't know what it is, but it's. I think it's just like the ultimate open world game. And I literally visited LA this year and I knew where I was at because of Grand Theft Auto V. I felt the need to like jump off the pier in Venice Beach, I felt the need to, like, jump off the pier and swim out because I was like, I'm, I'm literally in Grand Theft Auto five right now. It's so <laughs> spectacularly detailed and fun. Honestly, one of the only ones I ever finished because I was just so enthralled by the story and, and the characters. The online play is super fun, um, if not a little too hectic at times and competitive and filled with hate speech and other not-so-great facets of our society. But what could ah. you do if you Grand Theft Auto? It's going to be okay. Um, yeah, that's my number nine, Grand 5.
1: Uh, my number nine is CD Projekt Red's seminal masterpiece, The Witcher 3.
0: Ooh, I, I love The Witcher 3.
1: Easily an all-timer for me. I, I can't really put my finger on why. I have definitive reasons for everything else on my risk, list, but this, I had an interesting relationship with this game. I got it. I started playing it. I loved it. I had to put it down for some reason. And then over the course of like two years... I played little bits and pieces here and there until finally, like a few years after it came out, I had a bunch of free time on my hand and I just plowed through the whole thing and was like, this game is insane. And then I played the the first expansion, Blood and Wine, um, and I still have not played the third one for two reasons. One, they're doing, or sorry, the, the second expansion, they're doing an Xbox Series X version, so I want to wait till it's super pretty. Two, I can't stand the idea of, living in a world where I don't have New Witcher to play, so I'm kind of a little hesitant to finish it, but there's something about Geralt and the world and the sound design, and uh, it was kind of one of the first games that I ever played that was, like, actually hard. I remember when that came out, if I remember correctly, I think it was pre-Dark Souls, or maybe just after Dark Souls, but everyone was like, yo, this game is awesome, but, like, it's hard. You gotta, like, do oils and drink potions. And what it kind of boiled down to, I guess, is what if like Bruce Wayne was a Ghostbuster in Lord of the Rings?
0: <laughs>
1: you know, that's just what it boils down to, says Mark. That's the <laughs> essence of the game. And that is rad as hell. <laughs> so I just spent tons of time just like wandering and doing contracts and fighting monsters. And then the scope of that world, you know, one zone is a whole city. And like the city is crazy. It's huge and there's people everywhere doing things like that city in and of itself is the entirety of other lesser games that aren't on this list. Um, And it is a place that I can easily get lost in and go on a cool journey and see amazing things. The characters are great. The story was really cool. Um, I thought the dialogue was really well done. The sex scenes were hilariously stupid. And then just Geralt is a cool he's he's a really he's a rad character. His whole thing of, you know, evil is evil, lesser, middling, greater. If someone forces me to choose, I'm not gonna choose. Like that whole ethos is is really cool. It makes for a great character.
0: It's the it's the battle of Geralt and Trevor then, because we have two open world games for, for yeah. you know, all, all intents and purposes, The Witcher Three is an open world game as well. It's a game that feels feels very grounded in itself. Like it feels it feels like the characters are like really weighty. Like literally like weighty. You can kind of feel yeah. the liveliness of the character. They don't move like tanks, but they have like really awesome, like realistic physics to them, but like you still have fun playing as them. I don't know. I'm not I'm not describing this very well. I don't think I could make a list of the best video games of all time and not Include a Grand Theft Auto game, but The Witcher 3 is also phenomenal.
1: Okay, so here's the thing I
0: have a bonus list for
1: later called Games I'm Supposed to Like But Don't Actually Like. Okay. My number one game on that list is Every Grand Theft Auto Ever. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, for me, so here's the difference The Witcher feels like the developers at CD Projekt Red created a real world for me to live in and I get to inhabit Carol and live in this world. And that world has its own internal logic and rules and political forces and different forms of you know, racism and bad things reflected in this world. And then people trying to do good things to fight against those bad things. But these people that are trying to do good things to fight against these bad things are very black and white people. And they're forced into gray spaces to deal with the situations that they're having. So it creates something very real for me. So when I play Witcher, I'm somewhere else. When I play Grand Theft Auto, I'm in a sandbox that's very clearly a video game developed to make a ton of money. And I'm not engaged at all because all I can do is shoot people or steal their cars.
0: Ooh, that's not all you can do, though. I can buy a house if I want to play spreadsheets. But then you can make, you, get, you have to make moral decisions about which friend to save and which friend to betray uh the the other
1: thing is i I find grand Theft Auto games deeply upsetting to play from a sure. story perspective and a character's perspective to the point that it like really upsets me with how popular they are. Okay. just to get a little serious for a hot minute.
0: I think it's um power fantasy, but with a morality tale attached to it. Rockstar is very good at like making you feel like shit for having so much fun at the end of the game. i think, <laughs> that, I think they're I think that they're very. In tune to their product and their weird worlds that they create, and but you know what, your, your impassioned speech of The Witcher, I'm going to hand this one to you. Um, the escapism element of The Witcher wins out over the the, the harsh truths of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Fox.
1: <laughs> um, I will say this about Grand Theft Auto: I played the online a couple of times with my friends, and we would just make up silly games. Like one was, someone would fly around in a helicopter, and there was someone in the passenger seat of the helicopter with like infinite grenades or whatever. And you had to get from one side of the city to the other while the helicopter flew above you, just like dropping grenades.
0: That's what I'm talking about, man. It's the chaos created by like your friend joining two minutes into an online game when you're getting your ass kicked in like an open world mode and then spawning a bus and crashing into them and saving you last minute. It's like, it's just really unrivaled fun in that regard. Um, I mean, like some of the halo chaos you can make in the multiplayer in like uh 3 and 4 is like comparable to me it's the same feeling of just like wow i can do whatever i want to this is very fun yeah i think i think in the end the complexity of the witcher 3 will win out but so grand theft auto 5 has to go so i'm going to pass the controller back to you mark for number 8 so my
1: 8 spot was really hard and things went in and out of it a whole bunch of times same um, and and i had to think about this isn't like a seminal game it changed the industry although this one arguably had a huge impact it it did something for me my number eight is mass effect
0: number eight mass effect was in my number eight at one point as well <laughs> um
1: i also at one point i also had I mean, can i talk about what i also had really quick yeah of course but i also had linked to the past because it's linked to the past okay <laughs> so mass mass effect was the first game i played where everything you did mattered And it was the first game I played where I was like, wait, games can tell cool stories where I really care about the characters outside of like, man, the Master Chief is so cool, right? But was he? I mean I know you love you you and I love Halo, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know so much about what three four three is doing with him, but he but you know, you, you had, and even Gordon Freeman, right? It was like, it was like another, like, ooh, the storytelling. And, the, and I would argue, like, the, the Half-Life really sailed on its vibes, not so much its storytelling.
0: It's hard to disagree,
1: but that's okay. That's fine. I mean, I played it once a long time ago, so I don't really remember. I remember being very straightforward and simple story.
0: Might come back later in the list. Just see that. Yeah, that's cool.
1: That's cool. <laughs> I'm into it. So Mass Effect was my first sort of, like, wait, games can legit Tell me a cool story with characters that I like about. And they can put me in the driver's seat where I actually get to role play. So that was the other thing. was Sort of my first experience with like, okay, I'm actually, I'm doing this in my head. Like I've, I've got like a shepherd. I know how my shepherd acts. I know what his jam is. I know like how he operates. And I'm going to make choices based on that shepherd that I created. Just sort of lightly. And I've never experienced anything like that in games before.
0: I do love Mass Effect. I prefer Mass Effect 2. Um, so it might make your case a little harder to argue in a second, but
1: in my head, when I say things like that, it's generally like, yeah. I, this is why this is the impossible list. Cause you can't talk about mass effect without talking about all of them. Yeah.
0: The series. Right. So it's like mass effect, the bucket. I do love shepherd as a character. Um, and I do love the entire scope and feel of the series of mass effect. However, not as much as my number eight. Uh, my number eight was released on January 11th, 2005 for the game cube. Its second title could have been Leon Kennedy goes to Spain. Uh, <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking about Resident Evil Four, a game a game I played so much that I had to buy like a second copy of it because the game keeps scratched it. I love this game. There's just no, I have zero complaints about it. Um, it's been ported to death. It's on like your mom's cell phone probably. Um, <laughs> there is another there another one coming out? Yeah, there's another remake coming out, and it's like. <laughs> Well, this time we're changing the controls, and it's like, oh, okay. But like, I'm gonna play it. But yeah, Resident Evil Four, ultimate vibes. One of the scariest games I've ever played. Until I played Seven, which is like so scary, it's unplayable to me. I like I I play Resident Evil Seven at the pace that I would actually be experiencing those events in real life. I walk so slowly. I panic at every possible move. I yell, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, and then then. Pass out pretty much. So, Resident Evil Four is the perfect level of scary. I'll never forget playing this game in the winter and getting to the part. Spoiler alert for Resident Evil Four, but uh, getting to the part with like the Chainsaw Sisters, where they have bandages over their face and they break out of the cave. And right yep. when that, happened, my neighbor starting a snowblower at the same time. So it was just like vroom, 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 and like as soon as they busted out, I threw my controller across the room. Um, I It's just the ultimate. I'll never never get like, muerte, muerte, muerte out of my head. And of course, like, you know, the merchant appearing at the bottom of a spiked pit and being like, what are you buying? What are you selling? The plot is like nonsensical as in most Resident Evil games. Uh, It's real wild. The characters are super crazy. The locations are unforgettable. And I I just think it's one of the best, like survival, survival horror games ever made, if not the best. So number two is Resident Evil 4.
1: That is an excellent game. Um, I would argue that Mass Effect deserves the spot because it had, if you, if you step outside of the John and Mark show, it had a greater influence on the gaming industry as a whole and was more of a zeitgeist than Resident Evil 4.
0: It had, if you will, a massive effect. Hey, you hey know, and I will. I would argue that Resident Evil 4 also had a massive effect on the gaming industry by finally getting rid of like tank controls once and for all. And the behind-the-shoulder camera view of it became not only the standard for survival horror games going forward, but also sh- any kind of shooter. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I- probably decision trees and morality in games is probably a bigger impact. But I think that the camera thing is true. You, you, I mean,
1: even Mass Effect, used that. you started to see a lot of third-person cameras. But I think Resident Evil 4 was the that – was, that, was, that was kind of the end of the match for Resident Evil 4. Despite all the changes that they made, which I would also argue was a little bit of catch up, the industry had moved past. Development had moved past the way the folks at Capcom built Resident Evil games, so they had to adapt for. And then after four, the series just kind of tanked for like ten years, and it was just remake after remake after remake.
0: You're holding that against Resident Evil Four. I mean, that's the point of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're putting all that baggage on Resident Evil Four. Like, are right, really we a perfect game? On that on its shoulders, I think this is one for the, the audience to decide. We'll leave number eight undecided for now. Uh, we'll put that as a poll later on Instagram. Resident Evil 4 versus Mass Effect, uh, for the number eight spot. That was like the impetus for this list as well, was like kind of revisiting older games that are like hailed as this as classics. And it's like, these aren't fun anymore, these aren't good games anymore. If that's controversial to say, but like Resident Evil 1 and 2 needed to be remade, like they're just impossible and not fun to play. It's like, yes. It's like saying Joust is still super fun. That's a lot of games. Everything on here I have played multiple times,
1: which is super rare for me. To the point where I still play them
0: now. For the sake of time, we should probably move on to number <laughs> two, number seven. My number seven, released in October eighteenth, two thousand eleven, for the Xbox three hundred and sixty and the PlayStation three. I think set the gold standard, set the bar for the superhero video game genre. Number seven to me, for me is Batman: Arkham City, a game that. I hadn't felt so, like, elated to be playing a game in in such detail and, like, for such a length of time since Mario 64. I fell in love with Arkham City from the first, like, 10 minutes of the game. The battles against, you know, Batman's Rogue's Gallery are... Second to none. They're just so insane and indelible. It's just so fun. It took like a genius story element to make a smaller version of Gotham to utilize the technology of the time, but you still felt like you were Batman patrolling the streets of Gotham, like you were. The storyline is immaculate. It's one of my favorite Batman stories. Full stop. Like it doesn't. It like ranks among some of the movies with me in terms of like storytelling. Um, and it has one one of the best endings to any game ever. <laughs> If not one of the most like divisive and such a love letter to Batman and such a perfectly executed game action game, so yeah, number seven, Batman: Arkham City.
1: That game was great
0: because when
1: Arkham Asylum came out, everyone was like, "That game's gonna suck." And I remember I was working in the Apple Store at the time, and I went down to the GameStop and I played the demo and was like, "Whoa, wait, what? What just happened to me? What did I?" (laughs) You can't make licensed IP games that are this good.
0: I also think that X Men Origins Wolverine walked so that batman arkham city can run but that was a fun game that's a that's a story for a different time but yeah, really good combat okay so this is
1: gonna be a tough one because my number seven here is a juggernaut for very different reasons
0: the last of us i haven't played it so I oh no. Know. the thing is i have it i borrowed my friend's playstation 4 to play it okay i was just gonna say i have a playstation 5 and i'm gonna bring it over to you tomorrow I'll just you can still do that, and then I'll change the locks on my door. I'm you can you can go you can still give your spiel about it, but like there's just there's just like no way that Batman: Arkham City is better than The Last of Us. I haven't even played it, and everyone I've talked to speaks so emotionally about it, like it doesn't exist as a video game. It's like just it seems like one of the most powerful stories ever told. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just I'm just saying it's it's gonna be The Last of Us. So if you have like ten minutes, plan. Here's what I'll say. Have you ever played any Naughty Dog
1: games? Uncharted. Of course. Okay, Okay, so you know their game. Mechanically, as a game, you've played The Last of Us because you've played Uncharted. Their gameplay is, like, simple as hell and kind of sucks a lot of the time. So, Batman crushes Last of Us in terms of, like, the minute-to-minute mechanics, inputs, options, gameplay options. But I've never played anything in the video game world that told a story like The Last of Us, that hit me like The Last of Us, that was such an incredibly powerful essay on, like, love and fatherhood and the crazy things people will do to keep their world from cracking when bad, bad things happen and the impact those decisions have on the people that love them and then the choices that people love them have to make as a result
0: of that. Like, I love you, Batman Arkham City, but it's a game I've not already played, so it's Seven is <laughs> <70's, 70's laughs> the Last of Us. It's just, it's just, it's just the way it's got to be. You know, I'm not like a performance king or anything like that. I just need like a I need like I, I need the story and that's about it. I need I need a compelling story with cool characters and like fun moments in that. Okay, let me, let me frame this
1: for you really quick. We're going to take a quick aside. Do you want to watch a new Star Wars movie for the first time ever on your TV or in the theater?
0: Uh, in the theater. But I, I don't have a 4K TV, so I feel like it's oh. not going to so
1: My turn, and I think I have made a mistake
0: by doing this podcast
1: had the same thing twice because I've been shuffling my lift around, list around.
0: No, that was you just trying to be sly and earlier asking if you could put the same two games on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slot something in there that was in there a couple times and was
1: pulled out and it has a very specific reason. Red Dead Redemption 2.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to laugh at that because I fucking
1: love that game. So here's the deal with Red Dead Redemption and me. Um, it came at a strange time in my life where things were happening that were outside of my control. And sure. it was this world that I could escape into. But more importantly... It was a world that let me just be a cowboy. And I put a hundred hours into that game before I even, like I did the story up until the point where it was basically like, okay, now you can like, here's the world. And I put a hundred hours into that game before I even like dug into the story. I'd wake up, I'd like do my camp chores. I'd have some coffee and breakfast with everyone around the table. I'd get some supplies, I'd saddle up, I'd go out into the wilds. I'd hunt until the sun went down. I'd make camp, I'd sleep, I'd wake up, I'd make coffee. I'd break down camp, I'd hunt, and then I'd go sell the supplies, buy all the stuff my camp needed, take it back to the camp. And I just like hardcore role-played as a cowboy for a hundred hours before I really even dug into the story. And And it was the first time, this is the continuation of what happened to me with Mass Effect. It was the first time I like fully dived into a world and was like, nope, I'm Arthur Morgan, hundred percent. And this is the life he lives. This is what he has to do to get by. And it sounds so boring. I was enthralled, and then I, when I got into the story, I was like,
0: "Whoa, this is incredible! <laughs> this is incredible!" Interesting that you have issues playing the morally troubled world of Grand Theft Auto Five, and then put Red Dead Redemption Two, yeah, uh, a game with like sex cult cannibals. That's why you're going to laugh at me. So the difference is, is that I, I, I don't, I don't, and
1: I could be wrong about this. There might be one, one or two instances, but. I think Red Dead doesn't you can play Arthur Morgan as like a good guy effectively.
0: But the world around him is fucked up and yes. immoral. It's like it's tough to beat that cuz like Red Dead Redemption 2 is like otherworldly good. It's also
1: mechanically really
0: awkward. But that's that's the that's the Rockstar way. It's like it's so like ragdolly and and wild that like but speaking of otherworldly, my number 6 takes it back to PC released July 17th, 1994. It's also a LucasArts game, um, but in completely different genre. One of the only entries in this genre that I actually like and, in fact, love, it's TIE Fighter. This is a from the heart pick as well. I, I think this game was played at a point in my life where I could not include it in the list. Um, you know, I was like 11 years old and made like a cardboard TIE Fighter helmet to wear while I was playing. It with like the lights off in my parents' basement. I was 11. It's not a losery thing to do at that time. It's the only thing you can do. <laughs> um, in terms of going back and playing it, it still plays like super smooth. The controls are like incredible. Like that, there was a uh, Squadrons that came out recently where the controls were like impossible. TIE Fighter was smooth and intuitive and really revolutionary and groundbreaking to me in terms of like. Targeting different parts of cruisers or, you know, space stations and things like that. These really amazing like two D cutscenes that you probably see as GIFs now or like as like shit posting on Instagram, like such a cool entry into like the flight sim genre.
1: I, I was gonna say TIE Fighter is incredible. I remember I spring one spring break I had to spend with my brother. His roommate had a PC with TIE Fighter on it. So I was home by myself for like eight hours a day while they were at work. His roommate was like, well, you can play this. It's a Star Wars game. And it was that weird space where like Star Wars wasn't really, really happening. I mean, it kind of was, but like wasn't really. And I was like, wait, there's Star Wars video games? It was just all I did. It was all I did. All spring break for eight or 10 hours a day. That's a
0: revered game. That's a tough one, man. I'm I'm inclined to give it to Red Dead Redemption in this one, just because we both loved Red Dead Redemption so much. I was trying to represent a genre that might not otherwise get. Yeah, I know. I really like that. Any kind of game, any kind of any kind of place in this list, and I do think it's the best example of that genre to exist.
1: I kind of want to give it to it for that reason alone, but I feel like that's me being a cool kid.
0: Let's be chaotic, Mark. Let's, let's hold hands and jump off the bridge together. Let's fly the TIE Fighter into the Star Destroyer. <laughs> let's do it. TIE because Fighter they, it is. Everyone just turn the podcast off.
1: Red Dead is it's all the things I said, and it's all the things that you think, and it's all the thing that, things that everyone thinks. So, of course, it's going to be on this list somewhere, but we're making the definitive list, and you don't put the
0: obvious stuff on the
1: definitive list every time. You put the, the stuff that matters.
0: It's called good content, people. I have come with an offer for the rebellion
1: we have little reason to trust you admiral harkov but we are willing to hear your offer the fleet under my command is willing to join the
0: rebel alliance for a price moving on to number five this this was where i put super mario world remember i gotta give my spiel about it right now though where i'll never forget like the thrill of unlocking like the bodacious and awesome, like the like the map areas that were like up in the sky, stuff like that blew my mind as a kid. And it wasn't even in 3D yet. It's still, like you were saying earlier, stands the test of time. It's still the most solid Mario game. I mean, Odyssey is pretty incredible. Super Mario World, my boys could play, and I can still play and get the same amount of enjoyment out of it. Yoshi hatching out of the egg in the first in the second level never gets old. The level design is still super fun. It's colorful. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, Super Mario World's my number five.
1: Interesting that you mentioned the controls. I have yet, every time I play a Mario game, I always, inevitably, within the first two minutes, I think, why the, aren't the controls on this as tight as they are in Super Mario World? Boy, we're going to have another battle on our hands, because mine is, da da da, da, da Street Fighter 2. The <laughs> Okay, so here's why. One, I mean it's Street Fighter 2. Like... <laughs> it basically started the entire fighting game genre, which is still going strong to this day. Two, uh, it was my second sort of like revelatory moment in my relationship with video games, with the first one being Super Mario Brothers. And then I went to an arcade and I played Street Fighter II for the first time. And I was like, I've never played anything like this. This is incredible. And all I want to do is come to this arcade every single day and get better and better and better and better at this game. So I went as often as possible. And anywhere I went that I saw a Street Fighter 2 machine, I'd throw a couple bucks into it and play and practice. And I bought all the magazines and I read all the things. And eventually, I met this dude named Kevin, who was a college kid in my hometown at the time. Uh, and I, he agreed to teach me how to play Street Fighter 2 because he was oh, the best. Hold like, Hold on. Hold
0: on. Hold on. <laughs> how old were you? Uh, early 90s. So like high school. It, this wasn't like an inappropriate relationship. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: He, he he was just really into Street Fighter Two, and he was really sure, good at it. Sure, sure. Uh, sure. So I would I would meet him every Tuesday, and he would teach me how to play Street Fighter Two. And the whole goal was to get to the point where I could just quarter up on the machine, and everyone would just leave because they knew that I they would never be able to kick me off. And it <laughs> stayed that way until I went to college.
0: I picture like you throwing the doors of the arcade open, like saloon doors, <laughs> with. Uh, Smoke and, like, sand and underbrush, like, blowing in behind you. And everyone's yeah. going, like, Ooh. And
1: the camera oh, does that
0: sweet, like, quick zoom from far away to real close to me. like when it comes to- One eyebrow raised, like, oh. Right now, Street Fighter Two is one of my boy's favorite games. He loves it so much. He loves playing as Blanca. He likes to zap people. Here's the, here's the dilemma here. There are no fighting games represented on this list. There are also no platformers represented on this yeah. list so far. The, um, the answer, by the way, is Mario World. Okay, so it's not as tough as I thought it was going to be. You're giving up the ghost on it and just saying Mario.
1: I think Street Fighter Two 100 percent deserves to be on this uh, on this list, but like Mario World is just like man, <laughs> that might be like a top three time of all. If we're trying to be like, here's the objective list, like it's, that's real that's real tough to beat.
0: I'll um, I'll save my I'll save my spiel then, um, but I was just gonna say like. Is it is Street Fighter 2 as fun to play today as Super Mario Bros. is? And I think it is the, not. Answer, the answer is no. Uh, but if you're willing to concede, let's 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 put Mario Brothers at number five with a special Hadouken high five <laughs> to Street Fighter 2, I don't know. Yes. Uh <laughs> Hadouken!
1: Mario World is still fun to play, and I actually have I'm looking at a championship Edition Street Fighter 2 cabinet right now in my basement. And it's my least played arcade cabinet because it's actually not that much fun to play anymore. Because there's like Street Fighter 4 and 5 and they're significantly better.
0: I loved Street Fighter 4 to death. I loved it it's so, so hot. much. Hot take. Super Mario Brothers is timeless. <laughs> all right. So moving on to number four. Okay. This is a real personal one. So this is going to be interesting. Um, this is one of my
1: favorite franchises of all time. Uh, It's a particular entry in the franchise. It's not where I came into the franchise, but it is arguably the best of the franchise where they sort of got everything right. It's been around for 20 years, ups and downs. Every time they release a new game, it's terrible. And then over the course of a year or two, they fix it. They're currently in the middle of that cycle right now and everyone's disappointed. Uh, But my number four game is DICE's Battlefield 4. Very big Multiplayer shooter guy. I love them. It's probably my favorite genre. And there's just something about Battlefield. There's no other game in existence that has ever been able to deliver that insane experience. And the easiest way, I'll shorthand it, right? Because there's destruction of vehicles and huge player counts and huge maps. I'll shorthand it as saying it's the only game that gives you the frenetic, like bombastic experience of a single player set piece but you're playing multiplayer against other players. And that's cool.
0: Um, and there's yeah the team-up effort, the massive team sizes. Do you want to be a fire pilot, fighter
1: pilot? Be a fighter pilot. Do you want to be an infantry grunt? Be a grunt. you want to be a medic and just heal people? Heal people. you want to be a tank driver? Drive a tank.
0: I have lost hours and hours and hours of my life to Battlefield 4. So I've also lost hours to my number four, which was released in August 21st of 2007 for the 360, PS3, and the PC. Mark, would you kindly go down to rapture with me and talk about bioshock because, dude i just don't know i mean i know of three more games that affected me more than this one but the absurd like unmooring surrealist adventure of the bioshock series in general it's just such a f- flash of thought it's just the whole series is just such a inspired this is a, such an inspired creation, obviously like spiritual successor to, to System Shock. You know, made by Ken Levine from Irrational Games, where I think it's called Ghost Story Games now. This game, like pun intended, but had its hooks in me and never let go. Like it, just the the amount of world building, and just the, the the little details and clear passions of the creator put into the game to form something that's like unlike anything else you've ever played in the game. Just the underwater. Art Deco City of Rapture, The Big Daddies, The Little Sisters, The Twist, continuing adventures in the series, Bioshock 2, less looks less successful, still fun, but you know, and then going into Bioshock Infinite, which ultimately ties everything together. I just I just think it's unlike anything else that's been ever been released in games. And I just I love it. So Bioshock's my number four.
1: So this is gonna be a tough one because
0: I have not played that. <laughs> okay. So it would be really it'd be really unfair. So, should we throw this one to the to the the listeners as well we, we could here's I mean, i'm gonna give you my thing so this is on my
1: list of games that i'm supposed to like but don't but actually don't but you didn't play well let me let me finish art directing <laughs> is phenomenal uh the themes are super cool the vibes are great the world building is really interesting uh the twist is cool it's all cool uh, and what happened was I was playing it and I was like, this game is cool. And you start in the water and the graphics are incredible and there's the burning lighthouse whatever you go and there's, there's rapture and you're like, whoa, my mind is I'm freaking out. And then I fought my first big daddy and he killed me, came back to life in that like vita chamber or whatever, whatever it was called. But and I chamber. ran back to my daddy and I realized like all the damage I had done to him was still there. And I was like, oh, nothing matters. I'm done. And then I stopped. I was like... I don't. That's a weird mechanic, and I don't like it. And I immediately became super bored.
0: <laughs> it is, it is a mechanic that exists in service of its story, because I, the game, the game really wants you to know its story, and you know some of the data tapes and things like that. That kind of storytelling is, is ultimately becomes very grating and and negative. I think negatively affected video games, but it's kind of like how you know, like Stephen A. Smith's take that Michael Jordan actually ruined the NBA. It's kind of the same thing to me, where it's like the, the best possible aspects of a thing became so good that it ruined other games that were trying to be it. I do get the Vita Chamber criticism, but I I do believe in Battlefield Four. The second you die, you respawn, and the things that you were shooting at have the same amount of damage in them. So I'm gonna right. p- I, I, I bump off off. on that a little bit. Apples and oranges because multiplayer. I'm just, and also there's like I, medics and health
1: packs, and like yeah, they might not have their health pack, but they probably. Had to interact with
0: game systems to get their health back and that's interesting to me you mean like adam and, and eve and plasmids like game systems like that <laughs> yeah uh I, I i'm the only person who thinks that about bioshock in like the entire world because you're right the stakes i wish i had some snarky rebuttal to that about how it's a commentary on the the, the working conditions of the capitalism versus marxism where yeah, I don't know, but i don't have anything like that <laughs> Uh, it probably doesn't exist, and you know it probably does. But it came uh, at a time in my life where I was all about like being awesome at games, and like was really
1: into multiplayer, and like was really into like high skill. And you think if I played it now, I'd be like, "This is great! I don't have to like learn how to be good at this, and I can just enjoy the world."
0: <laughs> I would say give it another try. I don't know what to do with this one, so I think we should throw it to the audience as well.
1: I, I, I would argue that we
0: should give it to Bioshock. Um, I think as a
1: franchise, Battlefield is bigger and has had more influence on the industry in the sense that, like, you you look at what COD's doing right now and they're trying to eat Battlefield's lunch because DICE keeps dropping the ball and all the Battlefield fans are like, this is not the game we love, and also it's broken and doesn't work. So, like, Call of Duty has Battlefield Lite in it now with sort of the ground war modes. But Bioshock is just, even though I don't like it, it's just cool. And yeah. it was cool that somebody was trying to make a mainstream AAA game that also like had something to say and he Ken Levine saw it as like, I'm making a piece of art. It just happens to be a game.
0: I'm noticing a big theme of my entries is like video game auteur like leadership, like Tim Schafer and Ken Levine, <laughs> um, and a couple more are coming up. But you know, I just think that something like that is really powerful that someone sees the pop and entertainment value of a video game but also the potential to make art with it
1: I'll see the position
0: <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm bullying you not no bullying me <laughs> I mean <laughs> Battlefield is better but it's fine but the, it's tough because they're both such personal personal number fours I think this is the area where, where things are going to start getting really personal so um, it'll, it'll be interesting so number number three here so pass the controller back to me and then plug it back in and set it down so that Psychomantis can take control of it <laughs> September 3rd, <laughs> September third, nineteen 1998, for the PS1 Konami. The game changed forever with Metal Gear Solid from the big homie Hideo Kojima. Snake, are you okay? Snake? Snake? Metal Gear Solid, I'll put the weakness up front here. I don't know how well the original holds up. I'm guessing really well. But at the same time, maybe I should have gone with Snake Eater. But uh, it was between it was between Solid and Snake Eater. And I think that I had the Mass Effect system where I was like, well, I know this isn't the original original, but it wouldn't have gone anywhere else without Metal Gear Solid. The story is fucking bonkers. It's the least bonkers of all the Solid entries. But it's still crazy. The gimmicks like reading the memory card, the whole ninja subplot, just the variety of the boss fights. Um, yeah. And then obviously the biggest either gift or curse is the stealth system which was then used in games that did not need it for years to come including spider-man for ps4 and were the worst I was like dude I don't want to do this <laughs> I don't want to do this <laughs> the game was um, so
1: hard and then and then it would go from a 10 out of 10 to like a two out of 10 just, yeah just for yeah. 10 minutes.
0: yeah I was really like I was it was pushing it with the circuit stuff and I was like Okay, this is kind of fun still, but then I was like, "Why am I stealthing around as Mary Jane right now?" Like I've been Mm -hmm. Sniper Wolf, Psycho Mantis. What's up? Where you at, Liquid Snake? How you doing? It's yeah, Metal Gear Solid is just—it's my number three. I love it, love it. So I'm sad to say that it's not going to be on the number three spot because
1: my number (laughs) is Halo. It's Halo. (laughs) I mean, I have one million personal reasons for why Halo rules. Uh, I played Halo for the first time. I was living, I was homeless for a while after college and I was living on the couch of my manager's my manager's couch. And my sister was like, come out and live with me in DC. So I went out there and I could walk up to a circuit city. And it was one of the few things I could do. It's just go wander around the circuit city. And they put in an Xbox demo and I played Halo for the first time. And I was like, just blown away. And I went, I walked up there every single day and I played Halo and it was just one level and then i eventually moved back here and i was telling a friend of mine about it and he was like let's go buy some an xbox and then we realized we could link them together so he was like let's buy two xboxes and you can just give me 20 dollars a month so you paid it off which i did it took me a long time and then we system linked for the first time and did multiplayer and we were blown away uh he started a recording company and i started a graphic design company in the same building which was really just an excuse to have 16 of our friends over with four TVs and four Xboxes and 16 controllers and play land matchmaking in Halo for eight hours straight. Uh, Halo 2 came out, Xbox Live blew the doors off Halo 1, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually I wind up as a legit video game journalist for a few years, writing a column on Halo for Tips and Tricks Magazine, which eventually led to two very small pieces in the last two issues of EGM before they shut down. And Halo, completely changed the industry and it was the first game that did first-person shooters in a way that worked on consoles and we have all of the shooters that we have now because of that game and it's very social which i like a lot in my games i like social
0: games well first of all i did not know that about you that you wrote for a tips and tricks magazine and egm that's very cool um i was obsessed with both magazines uh, <laughs> you, have, you may have you may have read my columns. You're basically my hero, Mark. Okay, you got it. Um, th- I think, I think, I think this is my my Battlefield Four moment where Metal Gear Solid is like my my near and dear, but I can't argue with that defense that it, it's it completely oh, redefined what the most popular thing is. It sucks hero, now, but it was this awesome then. Uh yeah, for sure. And then you know the the progressive hype from two and then into three for those it's games crazy. coming up is like something that was like registered on the same level as like phantom menace coming out to me you know or i'm just like the excitement was palpable it was everywhere three's got to be halo so yeah so pass the controller back to you for the number two slot and this one's wild because it's good and bad it did a lot of bad
1: things to my life it did a lot of great things to my life i have a near uncountable hours amount of hours in this game matched only by the game in my number one slot it is at once the most commercial and well-known game arguably while also being the deeply nerdiest game of all time, but it's World of Warcraft. Go for it. All that stuff I kind of was was alluding to earlier about like sort of learning to like RP in my head with games and like getting lost in worlds. World of Warcraft was the first game that did it for real and put all the pieces together of like, you can RP this person, you can live in this other world. And I have thousands of hours in it, which is depressing. <laughs> um, Uh, you know, I have people that I still am friends with that I met playing that game that I still talk to on, you know, I would, I would say somewhat regular, you know, once or twice a month, like we shoot some texts back and forth, which is bonkers. I'm going to be a little bit hardy about this. I'm going to talk about why I think this game is amazing. in kind of a strange after the fact roundabout way. You know, when you go on vacation and it rules, vacation is super fun. And then like the last 24 to 48 hours, you're like, you're still having fun. But like you're ready to get home. So and you get home and you get to the airport or whatever and you get your bags and you walk into your the, the, the door of your house for the first time after being on vacation. And there's that specific moment that lasts just for like a really short window of time. But it's this really specific feeling of walking back into your home after being on vacation. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Start- absolutely that wave of comfort. That, that's what playing World of Warcraft feels like to me now. Because Blizzard somehow magically made a real place, even though it only lives in my computer. Anytime I go to Azeroth, it's like I'm going to a real place. And that moment when I log in and I drop into like, Orgrimmar or the Barrens or Goldshire, I have that like brief window of like, that feeling like I finally came home and the sounds and the sights, and it triggers some really real shit in my brain, (laughs) which is really cool. You could also argue, like, a little problematic, but that's fine. World of Warcraft was great for that. It was also great for social experiences, getting to know people. It was great for... When I started playing this game, it was... The idea that something like this could exist was unfathomable to me, because I knew nothing about MMOs. I grew up on consoles, not PCs. So not only was it it this crazy new world that I had to explore, it was also just an insanely complex interface because there's all kinds of, like, I mean, it uses, like, almost the whole keyboard. And then systems-wise, it was completely foreign. It was like a whole new language because I didn't even know, like, how to do anything. And there's all these slash commands and stuff you can do in chat. And, like, I didn't know anything like that could exist. And it also kind of revolutionized the MMO genre. And then also had a a really big knock-on effect on just games in general. Post-World of Warcraft, a lot of single-player games sort of adapted a lot of their systems and turned into basically MMO games that you played by yourself. Uh, Which is cool. You could also argue it's bad because really what that means is like they're really grindy. (laughs) And, And simple things that you should be able to do quickly take you five hours or
0: more. But that's my that's my that's my number two. World of Warcraft was really special in that your analogy is perfect. In that that sense of signing on is that exact feeling of like, okay, I can just be here for now. It was like the, a promise fulfilled of what a game like that could be. Because you know you had like EverQuest and like Star Wars Galaxies and stuff like that, which were like had their had their benefits had had their ups and downs. But you know you're like this is really cool. But you always had like something in the back of your head like I wish. This it was like ten percent better, fifty percent better, seventy percent better. Like World of Warcraft came out and was like five hundred percent better. Such an inviting aesthetic to it, and more and more so as it got updated and patched. I also had to like step away from it because I was just like, this is just gonna dominate my life forever. I didn't log as many hours as you, but I do love the game. The thing I bump on with it is just like all that grinding and like going to get pumpkins and stuff like that. It's like, man, I don't. <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't love a fetch quest, which is funny because I, I did have uh, Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker on my list for a minute. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes me bristle about the choice. It's you know it's become something else. It's become kind of a punching bag. And Blizzard has, is a bit problematic now. Their culture, you know, wasn't great, but
1: that's a little divorced from the game and the impact it had on me. That's not the conversation here. but like, Can um, we do a quick time, really quick? I just got to say a thing. Wind Waker is the best Zelda game of all time.
0: I love it. I love the Wind Waker. I don't care if I'm fetching maps to get maps for the Triforce at the end. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Um, I bought, I a, Switch. I bought a, a Wii U purely to play the remake of that game, and
1: then I couldn't because they had no menu setting to invert the right stick, and I play inverted, and I couldn't play it, and I was so sad
0: why would they take that out that's so stupid speaking of inverted my whole world inverted when i played my number two released october 13th 2009 this is a naughty dog title as well it's got my boy nathan drake we got sully um it's uncharted 2 among thieves um arguably i would say what world of warcraft did for the massively multiplayer online rpg genre Uncharted 2 did for the single player action mold. This game for the sake of sounding like completely dorky and pathetic Uncharted started off strong but Uncharted 2 gave you like friends to follow to the ends of the earth with these characters. Just made people in these games so intensely relatable. Nathan Drake is a sympathetic, down on his luck hero. Sully is an indelible character. There are moments in this game that like literally left me breathless. And this is the first video game that did that. I the only reason Uncharted isn't on my list is I felt like I can only put one naughty dog game on my list. That's what I think we're going to come up against here, but we'll see. The opening level trains you everything on everything you need to know about the game and I'm not talking about like tutorial sense. I'm saying that It's the first game that really made me feel like, hey, I got to the top of that train just in time, and I'm so glad about it for you, Nathan Drake. You did it. And it's like, it's this weird, like, I did that, but he did that Mm -hmm. type of relationship that the game forms with you just through visual storytelling. That's layer one to it. Layer two is the game consistently and persistently one upping itself inside a level the secret sauce of these games is they'll take it up to the next logical level right when you think a set piece is about to end everything is just so considered i I have no complaints about it i think so fondly about this game i I have a memory of working at at gamestop someone brought this game home from the gamestop conference like early because we got early copies of games from that from managers someone brought it home early and it was promised to one of our coworkers but my friend Dave and I were working that night and it was sitting out. We're like, we got to play this game, man. We gotta we just got to take it and bring it back later. We took it home and played it and like, got busted for it. And like, both of us got in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. But like, we just were so excited for Uncharted 2 that we had to fucking play it. Morality was like out the window because we're like, we got to play Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. It's just such an incredibly polished vision of what a, a fun action game can be. It's just so solid and it's just so special to me. So yeah, Uncharted 2 is my number two Man. Do you remember the
1: commercials for that game? The, uh, the dude would be playing it, and then, like, his girlfriend or whatever walk in and it would be like, What movie is this? I mean, uh, I think Uncharted games are great. Uh, I think they genuinely changed how game developers understood their story ca- storytelling capabilities and their ability to draw a character as, as if, you know, to, to make them real. I think I'd still still give it to World of Warcraft because it was just a phenomenon.
0: You know, even though I haven't played The Last of Us, I think that what I love about Uncharted and Naughty Dog is represented in that game as well. The characters that you care so much for, I've heard tell of, you know, it's like it's I don't know. And plus, you know, the MMORPG cannot be left off a list of let's give it to World of Warcraft. i I think the number two is high but there we are (laughs) so here we are i i I also argue if we're going for a
1: like non-personal list i would also agree with you that two is high but i was i was like the games that hit me is what this list is so that's why it's so high because that's one of the that's one of the games that hit we're down to our number one choice here i think i know what yours is so this is going to be really
0: interesting process of elimination i I probably gave it away earlier you you saying earlier that the storytelling was pretty straightforward for half-life 2 is my number one choice is something i just disagree so wholeheartedly with it's a game that like is so out of time and place that i it like haunts me it's so it's such a powerful storytelling because it is kind of meandering but it's so hallucin, such a hallucinatory game for what it's meant to be. It's just like a a a, a flashy first person shooter. I I think about the story of this game like all the time. Like, what does it mean? It's notoriously unfinished. The game starting off with you know teleporting you into the future pretty much, but like without any explainer or hand holding into this like dystopian future. It's just really such so, so bizarre. And then the the gravity gun is so fun to use. The characters are yep. so well drawn. Alex Alex is like. One of my favorite video game characters of all time. I really want to play the Half-Life Alex, the VR game, but haven't had the chance to do that. But with each continuing entry into the series, Valve exists the way that like George Lucas exists for film, where he's just like, I'm just trying to push the genre for. I'm just trying to push the medium forward. Valve's attention to quality control and just literally refusing to make a game. To make money but until it's good enough for them is both like a disservice to the fans a little bit but at the same time it's so it's so refreshing that they're not just trying to like cash in on a series they know they can bank on but only put something out when it'll change the industry again and half-life 2 just literally just changed everything like the way you can tell a story the way you can integrate physics into a game the way you can Combine like vehicles into a single player story and have it still be engaging and fun um, with a mute lead character, you know, like someone that doesn't say anything and is the everyman. He's the free man, you know, um, Gordon Freeman is an iconic video game character without ever saying a damn word. So, yes, um, it's really impossible to put into words how I feel about Half-Life 2. It's just such a weird phantasmagoric experience in terms of craft. and. Final execution of a game in a story, it's Half-Life 2 for me for number one. I have a lot of thoughts on the things you just said, and I want to talk <laughs> about them, but, but we should probably
1: keep it somewhat brief. Um, okay, mine is drastically different. It's, very, it's a very personal game for me. It's like my thing, and I have it's the only game. It's, the, it's my most played game of all time, uh, which is also sort of depressing because it's not that old, but it has literally everything I ever want to do in a video game. I can't can't do a franchise. I have to pick an actual entry, don't I? Yes. Destiny 2. Destiny 2. I can PvP. I can PvE. I can play with friends. I can go solo. I can do really, really, really hard shit that challenges me and I have to work really hard at. I can do really, really easy stuff. Um, Of any game I've ever played in my entire life and any movie I've ever seen in my entire life, I think Destiny has some of the coolest weirdest, most engaging, most interesting world building I've ever encountered, and it is deep. If you want to get into it, there is so much cool shit happening in that world and so much creative shit. Uh, Hands down, I think Bungie has the best artists in the industry in terms of both concept design and translating that into the screen. And it is a game that since it came out, every single big company that makes AAA games and even some double A game companies has been chasing Anthem, Division, etc. Everybody's trying to make a game to catch up to Destiny, Borderlands, and no one is catching up because Bungie is my valve. <laughs>
0: Except for they still actually make games. They're holding off until the, the right time, and when that time comes, it'll be like the second coming. So, or they just don't care anymore because they make a bajillion dollars off of Steam. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this isn't best development house. This is best games Which, of all time.
1: And quick, quick, quick aside. That's actually really cool. Like it sucks that Bob doesn't make games anymore because like every game they made was incredible, and I almost put Portal on this list. But it's really cool that someone with that thing that you said, like we're not going to put something out until we think it's good enough. Those people moved from
0: making games to enabling our ability to play games. Steam deck is so dope and I really want one, but I'll never get one.
1: Even steam. I think steam is great.
0: I think that's kind of folded into it as well is this. That's the more cynical view of it. That's probably correct is like, we don't need to make Half-Life 3. We got we have that steady cash flow, but like I think they will put it out, especially now that the VR, like the VR like Half-Life game is there. Maybe that's sparked a seed of something that they can do to push it forward even further. I really enjoyed Destiny one and two when I played them. It is like a deep niche game though. Like it's not
1: Well, uh, it's not
0: it has like 40 million players. 30 million? An incredible
1: amount. It, there are an incredible amount of people playing Destiny on the daily. It's one Which of the, the most played games, games of all time right now.
0: In terms of people that like know how to play that kind of game, I think that anybody can hop into Half-Life 2. It won't, wouldn't be their jam necessarily in terms of like story or like what's going on. I mean, they just don't want to shoot people. It's just like, I don't, I don't know how many people are jumping into Destiny 2 and being like, this is the one. No offense to you. It's a great, they're a great, no, great no. game. I just think the the appeal factor of Half-Life 2 in the in, in that. But it also is like, pretty cliche number one, so I'm torn. This one's probably gonna have to go to, to vote. And I think I, if I had to guess, I
1: would think, I would say that Half-Life's gonna win if it goes to vote. My thing is, yeah, I don't think, you, you're not wrong. De- Destiny has like a terrible player onboarding experience. It's super confusing, it's super opaque, you can't figure anything out, it throws things at you left and right. Uh, there's been so many expansions that like, when you go to like that the the player hub, the tower, It'll like give you a cutscene, and then you'll leave and you'll go back and it'll give you a totally different cutscene with a whole new slew of quests. Like it's deeply confusing the way it is right now. And Bungie knows it. They have an expansion coming out in February and they like detailed their whole plan to fix it. It looks really good, but it has, it's just for me, it's, it's the everything game. It's my, it's my desert Island game. If I could only ever play one game for the rest of my life, it would absolutely be destiny too, because I can, it's casual, it's hardcore, it's single player. It's deeply social. It's P V E, it's PvP, and it's given me like hands down some of the most amazing video game experiences I've ever had. When I did my first raid with my buddies, six of us going into the Vault of Glass for the first time, we all knew nothing about it. We just knew that it was six people and it was really hard and it was really complicated. And we all set a shot of whiskey down in front of us when we started playing. And we were gonna take the shot of whiskey by the time we we, we got to the end of it. And we played all through the night on Saturday till like four or five in the morning and we could not beat it went to bed slept for a couple hours woke up did our family things logged back in on sunday night and within like an hour finally beat that boss that we couldn't beat because of course we couldn't beat it because we've been playing for like 11 hours straight and we're drunk and tired and it was just i've never had an experience like that in my life and the sound design and the art direction and then Bungie is just unparalleled in terms of game mechanics and gun feel and play but half-life
0: to totally change the game. So this is how I'd put it is like the random bucket that you knock over going down the hallway of a raid in destiny Two falls over because of half-life two. It's true. I mean, halo exists because of half-life two. And that's, that's why I argue for it. I do love a really good personal gaming experience and I do love, a game that can create those kind of stories for you. I just think that Half-Life 2 is like the DNA. I think it's just embedded in everything we do to the point where it feels overrated, but it's just yes. like, it, it is everything that games are right. Now.
1: I think Destiny is a better game, but I think sure. Half-Life 2 deserves the number one.
0: Let's put it to vote. Let's do it.
1: No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm totally like, I've, I've heard what you have to say, and I agree with what you have to say. I'm just logging a very mild complaint because because Destiny is so... Like, it's my birthday on Thursday, and I'm, like, really tempted to, get to go to a walk-in at a tattoo shop and get a tattoo of the Traveler on my, underneath my elbow.
0: You should just get Destiny 2, 2 spelled out in comic Sans across your back. No, it's, it's,
1: actually, it's actually D-E-S-2-N-Y. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I think Half-Life 2 deserves a spot, because that game did... I mean, the physics thing alone, everyone was like, wait, what? You can make a first-person shooter where you do combat with physics?
0: Half-Life 2 is its beauty is its simplicity. I mean in, I mean the Half-Life 2 on the on the on the number 1 spot. It,
1: it's intellectually correct and emotionally wrong
0: cuz that's <laughs> story of my life. With Half-Life 2 at the number 1 spot. Let's recap what we have. At number 10, we have Full Throttle. At number 9, we have The Witcher 3. At number 8, we have Resident Evil 4 versus Mass Effect. One that I was going to put the audience vote, but I think I'm going to go ahead and say Mass Effect is really Reader. Yeah. Why I'm, I'm, why is it changed your mind? I'm thinking about it in terms of overall effect on games as a whole. The decision making system alone is the Half-Life 2 RPG elements. Physics is to Half-Life 2 as decision making tree is to Mass Effect. So, I think I'm I'm ready to give that one. Yeah, number so number 8 is Mass Effect, number 7 is The Last of Us, number 6 is Tie Fighter, number 5 is Super Mario Brothers, number 4 is BioShock, number 3 is Halo. Number two is World of Warcraft. And number one is Half-Life 2. How are you feeling about that list? That's a weird list. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get tired of seeing the same stuff over and over again. So I think we did a good job of... This list is basically like, if you looked at any given top 100 games of all time list,
1: this list is basically like 30 to 10. All these games would be in there somewhere because 1 through
0: 9 are just Nintendo games. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) It's all over the place. But damn it, Mark, it's ours.
1: All right. So here, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because I, I have this whole other list of
0: games I'm supposed to like but didn't.
1: How many you got? I got three. Okay. One you know of already, Grand Theft Auto. Two is Final Fantasy.
0: I think Final Fantasy is on that list for me too.
1: I They have great fun with them, and I'm so happy that those people have them. They're so boring, which also applies to, oh, you're going to be so mad. My number one of all time. It's my rush of video games. Metal Gear Solid, man. I think they're terrible.
0: I do. I feel like you stuck me in the torture machine and you're hitting X. <laughs> and me. You're liquid snake. my solid snake. You're my best noir. You're my blight. No.
1: I have very specific
0: reasons for not liking them. And I think there are actually some oh. people might like them for those reasons.
1: The stories are insane. Yes. Uh, the controls are awful. Wrong. And I have to spend so much time reading and listening to the game, which is the same problem I have with Final Fantasy.
0: I, I don't know what makes it charming in Metal Gear Solid and what makes it Annoying and boring in Final Fantasy. I think it it's probably Hideo Kojima because it is so insane. But I remember beating Metal Gear Solid Four and being late for work because the final cutscene was like four hours long, and I was like, "Well, I can't turn it off." If you want to get frustrated, try like going in prone position and crawling around in Metal Gear Solid, a nearly impossible thing to do. um How do you feel? It was recently like reported that Metal Gear Solid Three Hideo Kojima wanted to make a boss fight that was literally two weeks long in real time
1: i think that's so cool i would hate it and i would despise the game but i think it's so cool and i
0: wish he had done it i love that he's a, an agent of chaos and i think that's why i love metal gear solid games so much because they don't lie to yourself you have no idea what's going on in those games any any of yeah. you you're a liar if you say you do the fact that there's no metal gear solid games on this list makes me want to just delete this whole podcast but <laughs> here we are Let's real quick do some runners up. Metroid Dread. I think that might be my favorite Metroid game. It's so solid. Psychonauts, Halo 2 and 3 were on my list. Uh Secret of Mana. Tony Hawks Pro Skater 2. Portal 2. Inside, which I played recently and just really loved. Has like the ballsiest ending. Bioshock Infinite. Uh Animal Crossing Wild World was on my list. Star Wars Knights of the Little Republic. God of War 2, Street Fighter 2 and 4. Mario Kart 8. Uh Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Red Dead Redemption 2, Breath of the Wild, Mario 64, and Tetris from my where my runners up.
1: So, uh, Link to the Past,
0: Golden I
1: really struggled with that one, but I ultimately went with Halo. Vermintide 2, which is a Warhammer game. It's the Left for Dead formula, but it's melee against uh, rat men, and it's incredible. Chrono Trigger. Uh, I failed my first semester of college because of that game. Got a 1.0. <laughs> Wipeout. So I wound up becoming unbeatable in that game because I didn't know that there were air brakes. I spent a year mastering each track, a literal year mastering each track to the point that I could get through every single track without using the air brakes Or letting my finger off the gas, I knew the exact line to take of every track and had like insanely unbeatable times because of it.
0: I love that sensation of not knowing that you can do something in a game to the point where you do something insanely obsessive and become like uber good at the game. Like you, you pulling up Wipeout out of the bag just activated a whole part of my brain that you know I've completely forgot about Wipeout, and that game is so fun.
1: Elden Ring, because I think Elden Ring is a unique experience that you can't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, you owe me sixty dollars, Mark, for recommending I do that not one. Sixty dollars. Payable to my memo.
1: The game is that game is what Breath of the Wild should have been.
0: I think Breath of the Wild is what Elden Ring wanted to be. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and then my last one is kind of a weird one, and this is actually my number one game of all time. My real number one of all game game of all time is not actually a game; it's just arcade.
0: That doesn't count. That's insane. And it totally counts.
1: counts for me. The the most impactful experience I've ever had is growing up going to arcades and you saw a little bit of that in my story about street fighter 2 but i just they're like the best video game
0: experience i get that they're an amazing video game experience i get it that's like me saying my favorite video game of all time is console yeah (laughs) i wish you would that's great
1: what's the best video game you ever played console
0: my favorite meal is food (laughs) (laughs) food's pretty good once again our insane list Full Throttle, The Witcher 3, Mass Effect, The Last of Us, TIE Fighter, Super Mario World, Bioshock, Halo, World of Warcraft, and Half-Life 2. But if you if you disagree with our list or want to add your own, write in and let us know what your favorite video games of all time are, and we will read them on the show. Cool. It was fun doing it. Um, any, any parting thoughts, Mark, besides arcade? Games are great, man. Play them with your friends. Video games are fun. You heard it here first. Make sure to follow the show at B1N1Pod on Instagram. Follow, like, rate, and subscribe. and Review us on Apple Podcasts. Ring the bell and rate us five stars on Spotify. Special thanks to Christian Kramo for our theme music. And extra special thanks to Mark Johnson. Thanks for for being here and doing this. It was really fun.
1: My pleasure. See you in the next one.
0: Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. We definitely got in the weeds a little bit. It was like pushing two hours, so I just had to wrap it
1: up. So...